week's host, Eddie Webb, and with me is my co-host, Dixie Cochran. Hi there. How are you? I'm well. I'm hanging out. It's a hanging new week, out. you know. Recording on a day that we don't usually record on, so it's a I know, little, it's weird. little fast it's weird. and loose. <laughs> just record. It's, everything's thrown into chaos. We're just not used to this process. Yeah, yeah. For the, for those listening, we were recording this right after the Monday meeting, which is a very new uh, new thing, but it was a time that worked out for us, so here we are. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited about projects that are moving forward. I'm excited about all my new editors being awesome. I'm, I'm doing great. How are you, Eddie? I, I'm doing good. In fact, um, uh, before I roll into this week's topic, um, I just want to mention, cause we sometimes forget the end of the episode. Um, I'm excited about, uh, our Kickstarter's going on now, which is the, um, uh, Werewolf 20th project. Apocalyptic record? Yes. That's um, fun to they say, are right? kind of. It's just an apocalyptic record. It sounds like a death metal album. <laughs> or, or the last album that a death metal makes before they just implode. Yeah, if it was apocalyptic records, it would just sound like a death metal like production company. Right, yes. But apocalyptic record is like the last one they made. <laughs> this is the apocalyptic record. Oh my gosh. I, I feel like that's something that Metalocalypse would do. Like, it really would. Yeah. That's completely fair. <laughs> um, no, I am. I am excited about it. I know that on... The uh, they're like they've they've they put out a few like a paragraph from each chapter already on the blog, mm-hmm. and I'm sure there's some previews going out. I don't know exactly when we're dropping this, so hope you're enjoying the Kickstarter. Don't know where we're at with it, um, but yeah, like I think this book is gonna be really cool. I know a lot of people wanted kind of a Beckett's style book for Werewolf, um, doing the exact same format didn't make sense. No, no, uh, but doing something that kind of touched on all the aspects uh, was really really important to us and so that 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 book actually got produced fairly quickly which i thought was really cool too because i think people were so excited about it they were just like i will write all my werewolf things that i have thought about for the past 10 years and of course beckett's did not go quickly um but also if i remember if i remember my timeline correctly beckett's was actually matthew's first or one of his first development projects so that's how long it's been since beckett's yeah 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 it was his first dev project um when he took over from neil uh so mm-hmm. neil like started Started the whole thing, and then Matthew saw yep. it through to the end. Um, but it was, you know, it, 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 it was a long process, but it was a good process, especially because of all the research that went into that one. And I know a similar amount of research went into this one. It's just that a lot of the people who wrote on it were really, really familiar with Werewolf already. So sometimes you don't need uh, as much research time if you have institutional knowledge of the property. Exactly. Combined with the fact that we learned a ton from doing Beckett's and we were yes. able to make some different decisions to this process. It was a lot smoother. And also, like you said, it, we're doing something different with it. it Vampire needed one thing from Beckett's Jihad Diary. Werewolf mm. needs something different from Apocalyptic Record. Yeah, yeah. But no, I am um, I'm excited about it. I hope it's going well. Uh, if anybody has any questions about it, feel free to poke us on the Onyx Pathcast channel or the Werewolf the Apocalypse channel on our Discord. We'll happily talk yes, about it. Make it better product. interest in Werewolf the Apocalypse channel. Well, yeah. Absolutely. And, 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 and um, speaking of of projects trying new things, uh, that's actually what we want to talk about today. Uh, uh, we've brought uh, our good friend Eric Zawadzki on to talk about Deviant the Renegades, which has gone live recently. Woo! So thanks for coming on the show again, Eric. Thanks for having me. We know how much you love talking about Deviant. So want I, Deviant. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so do the, so the, all, the, all the discords know how much I'd love to talk about Deviant as well. Uh, it's, it's really exciting when a developer is, is so enthusiastic about a project. That really does mean a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's This is another one that went through, like, honestly, kind of like Beckett's, Dave Brickshaw started this process and then Eric saw it through to the mm-hmm. end. Um, which, which we do sometimes for various reasons. Often it's because someone right. just needs it off their plate for whatever reason, yeah. like, like I think with Beckett's, it was that Neil was also doing Scion and it was just right. too much that to be it. doing Beckett's mm-hmm. and two Scion books. And with, with, with this one, Dave had some stuff come up. That's cool. Eric was like right up to the plate, stepping up, which was awesome. Uh, Cause you were on the project previously as a writer, um, but you always had thoughts, which I thought was really great. Uh, and we like, we like seeing you develop some stuff. And of course you've done the two uh, stretch goal books as well, which are working their way through the process. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Indeed, they are. Um, so uh, I, I think it's been a while since we talked about Deviant. Um, so I think it's worth kind of recapping a little bit for uh, folks who maybe don't remember or, or uh, have you started listening to the podcast and, and weren't around for that episode. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and since I know, Eric, you love talking about the detail, I'm going to throw this at you to Dixie for the moment. Um, <laughs> Dixie, can you kind of tell us the high level of what Deviant Renegades, plural, is all about? 
Yes, it is plural. That's very important. It's not even the renegade. There's more than one renegade. You need to keep that in mind. Um, yes. Honestly, sometimes in my brain, I refer to it as like techno changeling. Uh, <laughs> it's true, wow. though. Because in, in, in Changeling the Lost, you are taken, you are transformed, you escape, you come back. In Deviant the Renegades, you are taken by a conspiracy. You are somehow transformed and given powers, um, which do have pretty severe drawbacks. It's not a superhero game. Uh, but you you are taken you are somehow transformed or sometimes you volunteer. There are, there are volunteer splats in, in, in Deviant as well. Think like Captain America or Deadpool, right? Right. Um, both, both characters who volunteered for this, for this thing to happen to them. Um, but unlike those two uh, superheroes and antiheroes, uh, every power you get, the more powerful you are, the more you have pretty major drawbacks and issues with your powers um, because it is a horror game still. Uh, so we have a wide range of characters we can make with Deviant, which is one of my favorite things about it. I know Eric has more to that in a minute, but when uh, Dave was first working on it, we were first talking about it. We had a list of something like 50 characters you could make in Deviant. And mm-hmm. it was like Akira, Buffy, like just like all these like random people, uh, you know, you, you could be some kind of Robocop character. I don't know. There's a lot going on here, um, depending on, on how much, you were changed and now you are probably banded together with a group of other deviants uh fighting the system essentially or trying to take down whatever made you uh that is that is kind of the the core gameplay loop which much like once again in changeling you're probably going against the huntsman and the fae and stuff see techno mm-hmm. changeling uh but really go. it is a really broad game um it's probably our game that has the most discrete powers you can have Mm-hmm. Uh, just just in general as, as, as far as Chronicles goes and I really like the idea of kind of a punk rock anarchist storytelling game of vengeance like fuck you for making me this way kind of game uh, which is really what Deviant is at its heart um, so yeah that's 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 the basic premise you were yeah you were taken you have implants or graphs or nanotech or weird electric powers or something going on maybe you're psychic but maybe that takes a toll on your body you know really and cool. From my perspective, um, I know we've talked about it internally a lot, but mm-hmm. when the game went out there and I've been watching people talk around it, it's been interesting to see two things. One is they're hitting the same topics that we just talked about, even though uh, um, Deadpool, for example, is not mentioned in our current inspiration list, but you know, Deadpool and Captain America both come up a lot, which is interesting mm-hmm. that people are already getting that connection. Uh, but also... Everyone, there's a, there's a handful of people that want to shove new Chronicles games into existing boxes. Um, so every time mm-hmm. we do something that's relatively new, they'll say something like, oh, it's basically blah. But what's interesting is that the, oh, it's basically blah, the game that you put there is different every time I see that conversation. It's like, oh, it's basically Promethean. Oh, it's basically Changing. Oh, it's basically Werewolf. And it's right? like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a really um, robust toolkit for like what what you can do with the game itself i know that i have seen lots of people talking on the deviant channel since uh since it's been coming out and everybody's got just completely different ideas which is really cool um and and also of course people trying to like bring in things like scp or say like oh i'm gonna marry this with my hunter game or whatever right Mm -hmm. it's like cool go for it have fun uh but it's, it's a really huge range of things um which i i think is great like it's it's, it's definitely a game that can do a lot of things and do a lot of them really well, uh, which is hard to do, I think, with a lot of games. Like, usually you need to be a little more focused. Uh, but I, I, I think the way that Scars and Variations and all of the rules work together uh, is actually really elegant and a really cool way of making very disparate characters act together. I know that when I did a playtest for the game at Midwinter, it was the first time I had really, like, played with the rules. This was mm-hmm. in 2019, I think. Um, and we all had completely different power sets. Like somebody had nanites that could go do things for him. Uh, I had a duplicating power and like a phasing type teleportation-ish power, uh, which were really cool. There was a nun that could turn into a giant monster, like the Hulk. <laughs> right. And so like, there's just so many different things you can do in one group, which is the other reason why I do sometimes think of it in relation to Changeling, because of how many different kits and contracts we have for that game um, and how easy it is to make your own. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I am a huge fan of, of Deviant. I think it's a very cool book and it's a really cool, like, you know, later addition to Chronicles since it's one of the ones that didn't have a one E. Right. 
So, so it's like, distinctive to Tui. Yeah, yeah. Like, like we could almost call it Tui, but there was never a one e. So you're gonna... right. Yeah, it's distinctive <laughs> to the, the the second edition of Chronicles as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm 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 just super excited with it. Like Dave Dave Brickshaw, probably because of his years on Mage of the Awakening, uh, is very good at making somewhat complex powers make sense. Yeah. That's totally fair. Um, so speaking of oh, lots of things, let's, 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 let's uh, throw this over to Eric, who we talk about those lots of things, because there's a lot to cover. Um, so Eric, uh, a lot of Chronicles games have the kind of, what we tell the X or Y splats, the you pick one group of your s- social-ish area and one group of your kind of where you come, or how your powers work era. So how do Origins and Clades work in this? And what and can you tell us a little bit about the various Origins and Clades? Certainly. Uh, origins uh, describe basically kind of your state of mind or what, how you came into the divergence. Um, so you have um, everything from, um, you know, the Captain America situation where you, you know that you're signing up for superpowers, you're, you're on board with that, and then maybe you changed your mind later and decided you, either it wasn't worth it or the organization that, you, uh, that gave you these powers is horrible um, or it changes somewhere along the line and um, like, you know, like the shield situation and winter soldier uh, where all you, mm-hmm. you start questioning. And so you fight against the organization that made you, mm-hmm. um, or maybe your organization was destroyed by another conspiracy. And so you're, you're, you don't have anyone left from your original and now you're taking the fight to the group that destroyed the people that you cared about. Right. Um, so that's, you know, the, 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 uh, the willing, the, um, uh, the uh, autoergic is is the formal name for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you or the elect, I guess. Then uh, they're the epimorphs, who are the volunteers, and these are the ones more in, in the Deadpool vein, where um, you were signing up for something not related to this uh, the the divergence itself. The divergence being the event that causes you to develop these powers and these scars simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and volunteers, uh, you know, they may be trying to get a, a reduced sentence on a, on a jail term. They may be trying to make money. They may be trying to solve a health issue that's not related to what happens to them. Um, but they're basically recruited under false pretenses um, and subjected to this. And uh, in consequence, they, they have a different view on things than the audiogic, certainly. Um, you have the... Uh, with my... Exomorphs? Yeah, the yeah, exomorphs. <laughs> Sorry, I'm uh, gave them all so big, so... highfalutin names. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> the unwilling were um, <laughs> the ones that are, you know, black bagged and taken off, basically abducted um, for whatever right. reason, and uh, subjected to these experiments or these this cult occult ritual, uh, and changed in that way. Uh, then you have the um, genotypal, which are born to it in one way or another. Sometimes it's, it's like cloning or genetic engineering. And so they're literally born to be raised into this, this being. Um, sometimes it's, you know, a cult, um, someone with a mm-hmm. destiny uh, that uh, is, you know, from, from birth, they're raised to become um, this un- unusual person and to not ever have that full connection to humanity. And the, uh, that disconnect that goes on in that, and then finally, you have the pathologicals, who are the accidents. Those are the ones that um, no one really intended for them. If this happened to them, it just did. They, you know, got in contact with, you know, mutagen that fell into their homes <laughs> and transformed them in that way, or um, you, they uh, just encountered something supernatural in the in the Chronicles of Darkness world. Like that never happens, clearly. No, um, no, no. And and it changed them in. On a on a soul level, uh, on a base level, um, and and transform them entirely. So what that affects is um, it gives you a little bit of a of a difference in terms of um, whether you have more people uh, you love, which is you know loyalty touchstones is what we call them, uh, or more people that you want to destroy, which is conviction touchstones. And I'll get into a little bit more on those later. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has an effect on uh, every, each deviant gets one free dot of, or magnitude of um, variations, which are the powers. 
um, and it determines whether it, it's a subtle one or a or an overt one. Um, uh, it is based on that, but primarily it's it's just it is a it's a history. It is a a back a backstory element, um, and it has a uh, a very real role play consequence because if someone going in there um, fully aware that this was going to be a transformation that they're going to experience versus someone who had no idea um, and it was either an, an, a total accident or something that they were you know forced into or tricked into um, or raised to be uh, they're going to have a very different um, approach or, or thought process regarding their divergence. Uh, and then clade, clade is how your powers manifest. Um, it isn't as absolute as in some of some of the uh, older game lines where, you know, if you are uh, one particular group, these are your powers. Um, it's just more how they, how they reflect um, in terms of flavor and all the variations and all the scars, variations being the power scars, being the downsides um, are, uh, are flavored not just to the, your specific clay, but also to your specific backstory and history. So you can have someone who is um, a telekinetic um, and some one person's telekinesis could be, I you know, use this telepathic power to like grab things and move them around. Another's can be, I use my telepath or I use my ice powers to freeze people in place. Um, oh, okay. So you have a lot of a lot of latitude and a lot of a lot of creative control over what your powers look like or what they mean. Um, and a lot of the fun of this game is taking a power set um, and figuring out how to how to recreate that mechanically within the within the system. And folks on the uh, on discords and on the forums just have so much fun doing this, you know. It's uh, become sort of a, a tradition for the, uh, anyone who's really new to the game to the first thing they do is they find the, their favorite media character um, mm -hmm. and they immediately try to convert the powers in. And, and it's, it sounds like they could do that pretty often though, right? Oh yeah, quite often. I mean, usually if you're trying to convert a superhero, you're going to find that their downsides are not nearly as down as they should be in Deviant because right. Deviant's a horror game. It's not a superhero game. Right, exactly. There, there are certainly elements of it, but... Uh, Right, but yeah. they're, they're drawing from the more kind of horrific side of things. Like Deadpool's kind of like that, the outer edge, but also like, you know, the fly or, or mm -hmm. um, you know, what, what have you, like, you know, Buffy. Then it seems, it seems like they're more consistently able to get something very close to that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is nice. Yeah. But so taking the, uh, the clades, you have the cephalus who are the psychics. They are the ones whose um, experience that caused their divergence rather than it Actually, let me back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip this one for the moment. I'll go, come back to it soon. Uh, you have the um, uh, chimerics, who are uh, also known as hybrids, who are organic matter put into, an, into a person. So, you know, you get your, the fly uh, would be a, a chimeric. Um, anything that is, you know, you can, you like in, inject someone with squid DNA or whatever and make it so that they can shoot ink at things. Um, mm -hmm. You're taking something from the animal kingdom or the or the plant kingdom, for that matter, and you are putting it into a into a person and giving them the abilities related to that thing. So it's uh, so their powers manifest as uh, organic changes um, that are reflected in like the animal kingdom. Mm -hmm. Then you have the coactives, which are energy, whether it's natural energy, you know the uh, Classic, something gets hit by lightning and somehow that gives you powers. Um, that would be coactive, but also something that's a cult, such as um, Buffy's, uh, you know, powers originally come from a demon um, or originally demonic in origin. And so it's, it's the energy of, of, that, of that supernatural being or that supernatural energy. Right. Um, so th there's mm -hmm. that. And so your powers manifest as some sort of expression of, of that energy or that uh, ephemeral power within you. Uh, then there are the invasives, which are um, inorganic materials, machines. And that can be a classic cyborg, you know, you know getting, get a metal arm, um, get yourself some nanites to, uh, to, to do stuff with. But it can also be like an artifact. Mm -hmm. um, you know, visions... Uh, the the mind stone in vision would be if if it were in anyone other than vision himself would be 
would make them invasive in itself. The fact right. that it's it's the power source is this physical, non-living um, power that uh, in, grants them special abilities. Um, and then you have two others, which are the cephalos, the psychics, and the mutants, uh, which are the uh, also known as grotesques. And those are kind of the ones where their bodies or minds reacted very strongly toward whatever the stimulus was. Uh, the first three we I talked about, you know, it was like, you know, animal, uh, energy, inorganic material. Uh, the cephalist, it's more their minds respond very strongly to it. And it actually open it rather than it manifesting as whatever was done to them, it manifests as their reaction to it on a mental level. Mm-hmm. And mutants, it's, uh, it's a matter of their response is almost like a, uh, an, a, a, an immune response. Um, their bodies change in order to reject what is what should what was attempted to be done to them. Um, and so they tend to be pretty biological, but they tend to be really oddly. The, the biology is not um, is unnatural in a, in a way that it isn't so much in a chimeric. Um, and each of those uh, clades has uh, some variations that are uh, favored by that, um, by that played, um, in that generally speaking, invasives are more likely to have hyper, uh, hyper, or me, uh, omnicompetence, which makes mm-hmm. it so that they can learn things like anything really fast, um, for a little while, mm-hmm. um, or they get the ability to, um, pull, like have hidden compartments where they pull all sorts of equipment out of, um, any, oh, nice. Any clade member of any clade can have those abilities, but right. um, they're less likely to have them than an invasive, um, and that's expressed mechanically. But it isn't. It isn't something that is a. Uh, uh, it doesn't bar other clades from getting access to those powers. It's just a little. So it's la- preferences, not locked. Correct. Okay. And it is. It isn't based on experience. It's just that half of your total magnitude, or basically your dots of power have to be in either the universal variations, which is most of them, or your clade-specific variations. So it's difficult for, say, a, um, a cephalus to have, you know, rapid healing five and um, also uh, anomalous biology four, because that's nine magnitude of mutant variations. <laughs> um, so that's less, that's less likely than a mutant having those. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so you mentioned um, divergence. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about that as a concept. Divergence is an experience in which um, it is basically the moment of change. And it is kind of a chicken and egg question, but from a talking about it in terms of uh, the... Uh, cosmology, the process of divergence cracks your soul, damages your soul, and releases power as well. And whether it's the power that cracks your soul or the crack in your soul that releases the power, again, chicken and egg. And one of the things that a couple of the other effects that this has, um, maybe a little more mechanical and also a little bit more flavor, is mm-hmm. that it blasts away your ability to have your virtues and vices are just gone. Like you don't, oh. you can't um, get satisfaction from your little pleasures or from achieving, you know, this lofty goal. It blows, it blasts away your long, ter- your ability to have long-term aspirations. Um, so you can't have long-term goals that are not related to what we'll get to in a moment. Um, so it really does severe damage to, uh, your humanity and your ability to interact with people, um, becomes more complicated. Um, and also kind of more important because in place of your, uh, of your virtues and vices, you now have, uh, these touchstones, which are people, usually people. Um, it can be like a pet or a particular place, but kind of the 
guideline is that it should be something that you could blow up with a with a with a, an explosive in one go, uh, rather than right. something that you know you're not protecting an entire family. Your focus is on this one person. Uh, loyalty touchstones are the ones that um, the protagonists of this game typically have fewer of. They're the people that they care for. And that can be a good and a bad thing. I mean, obviously, it's nice to have friends, but this can get really unhealthy because their need for those friends is so intense that it can make them easy to exploit, um, which is part mm. of the reason that um, this game focuses on renegades. Devoted are the other side of the coin, the ones who still serve a conspiracy, and the devoted have more loyalty touchstones. And it's much in part because they are their uh, conspirator loyalty touchstones are um, in a position to keep them in that conspiracy um, because the, uh, again, it makes you easier to exploit if you are so desperately needing someone um, that you can't refuse them anything. Mm-hmm. And then you have conviction touchstones who are the ones you want to destroy. And killing can certainly go come into it. Um, it's sort of an assumption uh, that's made by the game fiction that you're going to want to murder these people. And it, it, it often happens, but uh, <laughs> it's a little murder between friends. It's fine. It's a little murder between enemies. It uh, literally <laughs> says a storytelling game of vengeance. On the it, cover. Is, like, it is. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of implied that you'll be it is, vengeancing but, at some point. Vengeancing. <laughs> vengeance is many faceted. Um, part of it is you can mess with someone. I was, uh, uh, I, I actually ran an actual play. Um, over the during quarantine with my regular gaming table and at least at the, in the early stages of it it was more about like just it was very petty because you just want to you want to hurt them you don't you don't just want to like you know erase them entirely although that's satisfying sure for a time um i think about the end of memento where you know he you realize that the protagonist has um killed someone but he, yes, he killed someone because he orchestrated himself because he had already got his revenge, but he couldn't remember the revenge and he needed that, re- that feeling for revenge to have any purpose in life. And the way touchstones work is um, if you kill off your conviction touchstone, you need that the stability that 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 quest to destroy was giving you um, is gone. And so now you need something to replace it with. And that is often going to be someone else that you want to avenge yourself on. Right. Um, and um, or otherwise hurt or just or or destroy. Um, so, yeah, revenge is uh, is clearly a big part of the of the story um, and uh, in sort of the the implied arc of the of the game is that you take revenge. You find someone else that has hurt you or someone you care about. And now you go seek revenge on them um, and continue until you either. Uh, you decide until the game is ready to end, whether it ha- ends in a relatively happy ending where you achieve mm-hmm. something significant or whether it ends in tragedy where, you know, your character dies or um, otherwise, you know, fails to achieve the objective. Uh, so that's uh, it's it's a it's an important piece of the story. OK, that's cool. And um, th- so these people that you take vengeance against, um it's generally assumed that they are part of a conspiracy, right? And, and, and so talk about conspiracies and how it ties into the web of pain. Conspiracies in the web of pain. A conspiracy um, is an organization, whether it's small or large, that seeks to exploit the power that deviants have. Um, and some of them actually make deviants. Um, they, you know, are the, are the SCP type folks who are, uh, you know, to, or the Weapon X folks who are deliberately taking action to cause those divergences, right. um, often with a very high body count, because this is not something that uh, a lot of people will die during the process of divergence. Oh yeah, yeah, I think ninety nine percent will die or whatever. It, it, it depends on the on the specifics, but it you know depends on the uh, depends on what your game needs. <laughs> so, Fair um, so that's true. But there, but there's never a zero body count uh, with divergence. There's, there's always a risk. Um, and um, some conspiracies just pick up the ones they can find um, and, uh, and kind of recruit them for whatever purposes that is, whether it's profit motives, whether it's 
in some ways intended to be altruistic, but you know, you're still exploiting these people who are vulnerable um, and making them do your bidding. Um, and so the conspiracy is what the renegades are on the run from and also often trying to destroy because most, most often um, the your conviction touchstones are related to the conspiracy that either made you or tried to recruit you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the web of pain is the kind of network of all the various conspiracies that are out there. And some of them are enemies and they want to destroy each other, you know, because they are in this, they're fighting for the same resources. Others are, um, allies because they have a lot of interests in common and they work together. Some of them are, it's very, uh, transactional, you know, I can provide you with, uh, these materials to make it so that it's easier for you to cause divergences, but in return, you're going to help me catch the ones that escape from me. Um, so it's a very complex um, and not by, by no means or, like organized uh, network of, of these different powers and interests. And uh, the sort of assumed loop of the game uh, of the uh, arc of the story in in a deviant the renegades chronicle is Although, that of course you can do whatever you want because it's your uh, always always <laughs> um, but but the, the 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 loop that is you know is presented is that you are fighting against a conspiracy together um, you eventually def- destroy it in some way and then once you destroy it you find out that they're connected to another conspiracy um, and whether it's you know the the bigger person behind the curtain or whether it's you know you would destroy one and then like their like one offshoot goes and founds their own conspiracy and like continues doing the horrible thing that you were trying to get them to stop doing um or whether it's just another one of those like allies you know groups with the same interests so so it's like basically it's like you find out that shield exists and then shield turns out was infiltrated by hydra so they have to go to right. hydra and the hydra splits yep. off and creates aim and all that yeah 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 <laughs> i don't know aim but <laughs> yeah gonna, yeah but in any case I'll, I'll i'll take your word for it on that but i do yeah but it's it's um or i think gargoyles was one that's been referenced as well you know you just defeat the, the oh, big yeah. bad in the beginning and then later on oh surprise there's a there's a bigger threat behind all that i had forgotten um, how layered gargoyles got near the end you're right yeah. And uh, so that's the web of pain is that whole world of of conspiracies competing with each other, working together um, and just generally giving you a, a rich, a target rich environment as a deviant, as a renegade or having new conviction touchdowns um, to uh, to off. Right. And, and so conspiracies have mechanics now, right? They're not just big they organizations. Do. Yeah, there, there's a whole series of, uh, of conspiracy mechanics um, in the core, um, which allows the storyteller to kind of model, um, you know, their, okay, this is, I'm going to send a hit on on the, the Renegades this episode, this, this mm-hmm. session. And um, a, whole, a whole way of doing that. There's a... Um, or these, I'm going to be working on a project. I'm going to try to develop this new like uh, device that is going to make me more power, make our organization more powerful and more dangerous. And the renegades may have to race against the clock to make sure that that device is destroyed before it's complete um, based on those conspiracy mechanics. So that threat is always there. And if you ignore the conspiracy, um, it only gets more powerful. Um, okay. And so that's... Uh, Again, the, the, it, it it drives toward you know you, action. Um, it's not. Uh, I mean, you can take some time and reflect, but uh, it's an it's a very action oriented game. So it's, it's pro. You have to be proactive. Right, and make sure um, I understand it. Um, the the organization's relative power is, is its standing, right? Correct. Yeah, and depending on uh, and this is one of those. Those really big things that I always forget to mention <laughs> in situations like this is that uh, when you when you do character creation as a group, you decide the standing of the of the conspiracy that's facing you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be anything from like some little uh, clinic that got its hands on a street drug and has figured out how to make it do cool stuff to like giant world spanning uh, conspiracies that are 
you know, tr looking to uh, colonize, you know, some place in another universe, in like an alternate universe. Uh, and depending on how nasty your conspiracy is, you get more variations available to you and scars because scars come with variations. More, more variations, the more scars you end up with. You're going to end up with being just a little bit more powerful than um, a Blue Book Mortals game. Um, so it's just a, a little bit better than like having a, uh, uh, like you'll have one cool trick or you'll have two or three little tricks um, in, in your power arsenal all the way to, you know, really being, you can get pretty gonzo at the, at the tier five and at the, at the standing five and six level in terms of the variety of powers and the potency of those powers. Right. So like standing one is like, you know, here's a small group of cultists who summon a minor demon. You got a couple of things out of it versus standing 10 is, this, you know, Apple equivalence that has been experimenting on people for, for a decade and has managed to create some really terrifying monsters. Yeah, exactly. And it feeds into the kind of opposition you do too, because, you know, the more powerful the conspiracy, the more powerful the devoted there they have available to send against you. Um, and devoted make great, uh, great protagonists or great antagonists and foils in this game um, because they have special powers too and are just as messed up as you are. Nice. And it looks like, and there's actually looks like there's uh, stats for how to make devoted there's, there's archetypes and the like oh yeah um do you make do you make devoted at the same time as character creation with the the um conspiracies or is it something just the game master does uh so when you are getting together as a group you establish what level of uh what standing the the conspiracy is that's going to determine your power level as a group Mm -hmm. But you also, the players participate in the creation of the conspiracies. Uh, conspiracies have what are called nodes, uh, mm -hmm. which are like sort of building blocks of the conspiracy. It is the accounting department or the clinic or the security group or, um, you know, whatever, whatever it is that the conspiracy needs. And depending on how big the conspiracy is, they have more or fewer of these nodes. And the players participate in... Uh, Kind of creating these nodes, and of course, you know, if you the uh, after the creation process is done, the storyteller says, "I don't really feel like making more nodes. I'll come up with more later that as as the needs require." Or if the players, you know, can't aren't used to this and uh, you know want to sort of step back from that, they don't have to do this. But it, it's certainly something that's encouraged that you uh, sort of participate in your own uh, in your own opposition. Mm -hmm. um, and this even extends to uh, there are these uh, the vignettes at the end of a of a session is is a very common thing and very fun where at the end of the session for like maybe you know five or ten minutes you take on the personas of of your opponents in the conspiracy and have them have a little chat um, to discuss their next moves what you did during the session that messed with their, their plans and so you get to participate even in the ongoing and unfolding story and get a glimpse into as players a glimpse into the workings of the conspiracy. Oh, uh, nice! So you kind of play yeah, the whole cool. shadowy boardroom. Yes, that's neat. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And you know, we didn't end up doing it every single session, but I think we probably did it about I don't know seven of ten times, um, seven times in ten, because uh, it was just it was so fun to be able to uh, to just see what what the other side was doing. That's really cool. Um, so. Uh, we talked a little bit about kind of, of you have these groups that you're fighting against and Dixie mentioned the kind of, of punk rock, you know, vengeance vibe of it. Uh, so, I mean, overall, this is a pretty game of violent imagery. Right? I mean, we're, you know, we're, this is a game that's not to shy away from things like body horror. Is that, is that a good assessment? No, that's fair. And of course, you know, any group is going to have their lines as far as, and Obviously. I, I urge you to discuss it with your, with your group. You don't have to do that, but the, but but it seems like the default game lends itself to that. Yeah, the, it does lend itself to you know bloody revenge, bloody vengeance, body horror, and sort of a mind horror. Like you know the, because there's there's mental and social scars as well. Like you know there's one like there's one called lying eyes, which makes it so that nobody believes what you say, um, and Ooh. the worse it is, the less likely they're to believe you. Um, and it's 
it makes it very difficult to interact socially. And this this is sort of fun because we're fun, but interesting is that so, like when you, we talk about mental, physical, and social scars, um, there are a bunch of ability like your variations of powers, like they're like variables, um, like how much you can lift with your telekinesis or how easily you can resist um, your uh, urge to uh, to, to um, to run away from your the thing that you're afraid of with your phobia um, is based on the attributes that they're tied to. So say if you have lying eyes, all your whatever variations are entangled with, which means connected to the uh, mm-hmm. that scar, um, key off of your social skill, your social attributes. So if your social attributes are terrible, um, your ability with the, the variation isn't going to be as good. Oh, um, okay. But if they're good, then you're going to be more potent. You're going to be able to you know, lift something heavier. But a lot of this game for me in terms of scars is it's about loss. The, di- the divergence isn't about getting superpowers. It's about, about those scars, about how that impacts your life. This, this is, again, this is a horror game. Right. And so you are, if you're a social butterfly, you have always relied on your, you've always been naturally gifted with, with the social st- side of things and getting along with people. And all of a sudden you get hit with lying eyes. That's your scar. That is devastating. That, that is like, just like is existential damage. Um, yeah. In a way that like, you know, losing, losing a limb or having, um, you know, on being unable to climb stairs without getting out of breath, that's bad. And I'm not, I'm not understating that, but there is mental and social are just as bad as the physical, the body horror, the, the mind horror, the social horror is all part of this as well. Yeah. Oh, sure. And they they kind of the Cassandra moment of like nothing, yeah. you, no one will believe anything you say that, that pushes you to stop saying anything, which becomes, you know, mm-hmm. if anything past year and a half has shown us that social ostracization can be just as painful as anything else. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a deliberate choice to, to make those link together. What you're best at is what you lose is a, is a heck of a story to tell. Um, and it was even reflected in the uh, in the characters that were at uh, Midwinter, even mm-hmm. way back then. I knew that was that was going to be. I mean, the the nun who turns into a Hulk and can't stop killing people. Um, she was a she was an elementary school teacher. Mm-hmm. Oh, and this was this was a mental scar, and this is what it did to her. Like, you can see why these people get angry. Is what I'm right. saying. Yeah. Right. Is they've had something taken from them. And it isn't just, you know, um, I've got this this new, these unusual, these scars, but that these scars interfere with, with who I see myself to be, who my, my, my self-identity has been altered or has been challenged in a very unpleasant way. Um, it's interesting. Um, I, I never made this connection until you started talking about it, but... Um... Uh, I have noticed through the book, uh, there's lots of, of representation of disability, which I, I really love. But your discussion of the scars really makes me feel of what it's like to have uh, a late life disability, because it, a lot of disabled folks tend to get very angry at, at that their disability, at, at the fact that the the, the world can they, they can't easily interact with the world around them, mm-hmm. um, and so some really interesting potentially compelling role play that comes from playing through that. So it's not necessarily explicitly a disability metaphor, but there's certainly a lot of connection to it that I'm already feeling as someone who is disabled. I know I've been frustrated at the world for being too damn loud or too damn quiet, depending on the moments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can certainly feel yeah. already just through your description of it. It's like, oh yeah, I really emphasize and, and empathize with, with those kinds of moments. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, that's, that's part of why you did the fiction for it, I think. And then right. actually like managed to introduce like there is a character in there who uses sign language who isn't a deviant. Um mm-hmm. and that's really interesting to see kind of the like parallels between somebody who is deaf versus somebody who has been, you know, changed into something. Um, but also how different they are as as characters. Um this is a slight digression, but I want to mention it because you were talking about how frustrating this is. Mm-hmm. I was looking at games on Steam the other day that were recommended to me, and one of them was called uh, Unspoken. And it was a, detect- a detective game, visual novel game. And I was like, oh, this sounds like something Eddie would like. And then I clicked through to, to the description and it was like, 
it's all about what you hear at the crime scene. And I was like, Eddie would not like this game. <laughs> Negative. Um, because I thought the fact that it was called Unspoken meant that it was going to have like more like written and visual stuff and right. less less talking. Right. But it actually means that like the you were the character that can like hear clairvoyantly at a crime scene and whatever was said there. And the way the the art looked looks like it's like people talking over each other. And I'm like, Eddie would hate this. Oh no, no, um, no, no. no. <laughs> So yeah, like even just stuff like that, like you look at various video games that can be frustrating for people with with hearing loss or with 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 other disabilities, and it it is frustrating. And having a game like this or having a way to role play through that, if you want to, can be cathartic. It's kind of like how some people use you know wraith to deal with mortality or changeling to deal with you know found family or what have you. Yeah, and that's one thing that, that again, I, I, this isn't necessarily a game about disability metaphor, but no. what I've been hearing, which again, I, it, it's weird clicking to me just now, but a lot of games when they introduce discussion disability, like even what I did with Dystopia Rising, it was either um, let's make more visibility for this. Right. And also let's reduce the very binary, I have disability and therefore I am penalized and there's no upside to this. But what's interesting about Deviant is that when you're pairing the variation with the scar is that the thing that is disability for you is also a thing that gives you power on some level, which is right. very close to my experience, disability experience. Like there are certain things you do differently and certain advantages you even get. It's not necessarily offset by ability and sometimes, but also you're not, lesser than people with ability it's just a different experience but also it could i hate to say it but i mean it could be really fucking frustrating sometimes mm -hmm. to be disabled in an enabled world and to, to see that that kind of anger and frustration not only leavened into the, the to the game but also something that is embodied by the game mechanics to say you're not a lesser character in fact you could be really amazing but also the world you're not made to fit into this world is really really interesting. Yeah, I mean, at the at the smallest level, this is something that, that that you and I have talked about. Like, I would not want hearing loss when I have to go to like Gen Con, right, or some other big crowd where it's really obnoxious and like there's too much input. And I also wouldn't want it in terms of like not you know not 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 being able to understand people sometimes or not being able to enjoy the same kind of music that I I often enjoy. But at the same time, turning my ears off would be cool sometimes. So right. like yeah. it is one of those things that there's 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 drawbacks and there's plus sides depending on you know who you are and where you are and yeah the fact that in Deviant that that, that that's what gives you your superpowers um I know in in the art because I Eric and I collaborated on a lot of the art notes um mm -hmm. so I am I am very familiar with the art in there and I know I have at least one character in a wheelchair and I have one character who uses the like I don't know what they're called but the like crutches that have cuffs around your forearms the arm braces yeah yeah yeah. Who uses those? And our conception behind that, we were talking about her, was that she is a very, very strong psychic character. Mm -hmm. um, and it is eating away at her body. So, like, mm. the stronger her mind gets, the weaker her body gets. Um, and that was interesting to me. You know, that was that was something that I thought was interesting to explore. Because you, you, you think about what you as a person, like, what is the thing you're best at? So what would it probably take away from you as a... a a deviant like mine would almost certainly be social stuff you know right but i mean but the nice thing about this is that also if you don't want to dig into any of that stuff you can still play on the kind of uh, uh deadpool level of mm -hmm. i have these amazing powers but also i have cancer permanently yeah. yeah 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 invincible and actually um uh, aside from the the internal conflicts um uh eric you mentioned that uh, one of the things that people go up against are devoted are there any other antagonists that people generally will expect to run into a lot of the opponents that you run into are going to be um baselines but normal people without any special powers um but in numbers um okay. one of the things my uh one of my players uh pointed out was he kind of had a realization he's like it doesn't matter how many of these guys you kill it's not going to actually solve your problems like just like blowing away the the goons that show up at your door mm -hmm. doesn't actually get to the conspiracy it does like a minuscule amount of impact on them okay um and that but there's always so many of them <laughs> um and you'll have right. to deal with them um there's also ferals which are um Deviants who have lost their touchstones entirely, have no more touchstones left, and have no way of balancing out uh, the instability that comes with not having um, a way of of uh, kind of staying in touch with the world, mm -hmm. um, having something to hate, having something to care, someone to care for. Um, 
and they're kind of doomed to a slow uh, destabilization um, along the lines of, uh, you know, one that gets a, a nice extreme example that is often given is Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, right. suddenly, you know, the, you're this big blob of hands and arms, just like destroying everything in your path <laughs> right. and eating everything. Um, Katamari Damacy style. Uh, <laughs> um, but um, Ferals, again, they're kind of a, the thing that you could become. They're the, they're the sort of illustrative warning. Um, and, uh, that they can also be antagonists in their own way. If you, your paths cross in a, in bad ways with theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned, uh, I mean, we talked about baselines, uh, that's more of a Trinity term, but like, you know, mortals as it were, um, and, and also conspiracies. So like, is there an intended connection with say hunters, conspiracies and compacts, or is it more kind of an unintentional two people coexisting the same space thing? It was unintentional on my part, for sure. Um, I, I can't always speak for Dave, um, but I was not involved with Hunter at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly when we people bring up Chiron Group all the time, like, oh, my gosh, these, these folks would fit it right right in with the, with the conspiracy of the Lord. Oh, yeah, Dave. totally. And the truth is, I mean, the way they, they're written in Second Ed, where they're a lot grayer, they're a lot blurrier, um, they're a lot more... Stuff is going on under the surface that is probably not good, um, is very deviant as well. Mm. Um, with a core, we don't want to, or I don't want to explore, you know, what amounts to crossover. I, you know, I don't want to talk about Hunter or Vampire or Mage or Promethean in the Deviant Core book. No, you want to establish um, your own thing first. Yep, exactly, exactly. Um, but yes, that's very easy for me to go, yeah, I, I could see a mage doing, you know, creating one of these folks and some dumb act of hubris because that's what mages do. Sure. Mage, the game of dumb acts of hubris. Jerk ass acanthus. Oh, oh, Neil. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was incidental, but very like not, not surprising, just interesting um, that they, they kind of went in a similar direction in that regard. Yeah, oh. totally. Um, so uh, now that the four books out, you know, I'm sure you're very happy about that. Um, are there any other support books that you're working on for Deviant? Got two that are were stretch goals: um, the uh, uh, the Clades Companion and the Devoted Companion. Um, Clades mm-hmm. Companion is sort of an extended appendix. Um, all the stuff I wished I could have gotten into the core book, but couldn't. Okay. Um, there are four new forms. Um, you have uh, ones that are for if your deviant isn't a um, humanoid. So you've got uplifts, which oh. are animals um, that are deviants, um, whether they're you know humans in an animal body or animals that have been uplifted into you know teenage mutant ninja turtle esque um, talking animals. Um, like game about talking animals, that'll never work. No, yeah, no clearly that's, never. that's a weird thing. Um, <laughs> and also, this also... is in fact the background of Pugmire. <laughs> <laughs> it is not, in fact, background. No, it is not the background. <laughs> but I do like all the jokes about how our games tie together. It's like, yeah, right. no, it's leads to Pugmire, yep. Pugmire leads to Cavaliers, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, and then Automaton is, uh, if you're, like, an object. Like, you know, talking cars, talking swords, um, cell phones oh, wow. with super intelligence. And again, whether it's because a human brain got put into these bodies or whether someone has made a... Um, a talking tank sent uh, sapient uh, or made a tank sapient and given it the ability to communicate with the world around it and seek out um, things and enlightenment with others of its kind. So so what you're saying between those two things is that you can absolutely do a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle story arc where they're talking, where they're fighting Krang or Krang can join them. Yes. You could, you could pull that off if if it's the other direction you want to take your game. Um, Or Knight Rider. And then the others oh are. Oh, uh, Night Rider. <laughs> yep, that boy. I, I grew up in the eighties. Hasselhoff <laughs> <laughs> um, was not the main character of that story. No, no. Uh, and then the uh, the other two are myriads, which are um, ones for whom death is not the end. Whether it's because they're a part of a line of clones or they're a line of androids that all you know their bodies are just swappable. You kill one of them, and they just come off the assembly line with their brain 
oh, with wow. their mind intact and, you know, continue doing their thing. Um, or whether they're like certain episodes, I think it was an episode of Outer Limits where there was the alien that kept jumping bodies and possessing a new body every time you killed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so something like that would be uh, a myriad. Um, we actually had in the playtest group that I had, someone wanted to play a body-swapping grandmother. Um, every time she touched someone, she'd take over their body. And there's some power support for that in the core, but like, but she wanted it to be something where they swapped and she couldn't really go back. And so they just were stuck in each other's bodies. Oh, and okay. the, so she left a trail of people who were not in their original bodies. And there's so, there was a whole support group <laughs> after a while because that, that game didn't last long. But uh, yeah, it was, it was really, yeah, Rachel is, Rachel is a delight to play with. Um, my whole, I love my whole group, obviously, but like, yeah, that, that was, that was specifically her fault. Um, but something like that where you're, you, you take it, take advantage of a power and just taking and twist it just a little bit so that it, it goes over the top and becomes a, a sort of a way of going from body to body to body. Um, and then outsiders are, uh, deviants who are fundamentally not human in some way. Um, they don't have them. They're not mentally human in, in, in a lot of ways. So for example, it could be um, something like, um, you know, classic Android data. It doesn't really understand humanity at the beginning of the next generation. Um, right. And, or, you know, that, that those types of arcs, uh, it can be um, Gollum and the Jinn where you have, you know, these definitely not human beings, but basically look human who are trying to live in human society. Mm -hmm. um, with some mixed amounts of success, or it can be literally ET. Um, you're an extraterrestrial, um, marooned on this planet and running away from the scientific organizations that want to study you, um, which is still Stevian story because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, again, the, the main pieces are intact. There's the, the risk of loss of, of self. Um, remember he, he was like, dying at the end there, but basically yeah. from being isolated on this planet for too long. Mm. Um, he had, you have people chasing you. Um, the only thing really missing there is the revenge, but uh, there's a lot of media that applies at least somewhat and not all sure. of it lines up perfectly, but yeah, that's uh, extraterrestrial um, ability as well, or, or it's, or a, someone from a parallel universe um, is another kind of outsider. They don't fundamentally understand the world that they find themselves in, but they're basically relegated to the role of a deviant. Um, and so those are the, the, the forms that you see in, in there. Also did extended for animals, like different animal stuff, because there are powers that give you uh, animal shapes and it's useful to have the stats for them, including uplifts. Um, mm. Equipment, similar thing, got some, some equipment, some like vehicle rules so that you can have something to be, have your brain in if you're an automaton. Um, added ephemeral entities rules, including um, some advice for building your own, because this is a toolbox game. Um, it's not supposed to be, you know, canonical, here are the, the different realms. It's, here's what we have to offer. Here's how to come up with new stuff of your own. And we'll, we'll give you some support for how to do that. Um, okay. So it's very fun. Nice. And then uh, Devoted Companion is, uh, Flips, uh, flips around and instead of focusing on the renegades, it focuses on the devoted. Uh, and if the Clay's Companion lets you play things that are just really weird, uh, it opens up all sorts of character concepts that just the core doesn't really support, um, despite the core supporting a lot. Um, but devoted really changes the, the types of chronicles that you can that, and stories that you can tell because it's looking at the devoted as protagonist. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean heroes any more than, you know, some pretty much literal murder hobos on a rampage killing all these conspiracy members right. are the heroes of the story um, as renegades, but they are the protagonists. And so it talks about the different kinds of stories you can tell that are involved the conspiracy. It gives you ways to maneuver the levers of power within a conspiracy and make it so that the conspiracy takes the actions that you want it to take in some situations. It also expands on the things that conspiracies can do. Um, so because, you know, we have little summaries of what these are the things that conspiracy actions can do. But this is like, okay, here are some specific things that conspiracies can do that you that would make for an interesting scene, whether it's the, you know, um, the phone rings and it's for it's someone else's phone rings and it's for you um, to like, you know, sending 
uh, a bunch of uh, hit squads from another conspiracy that don't even realize that, you know, um, they're there under false pretenses. So they have no idea that they've basically been shang, uh, basically been uh, uh, tricked into attacking mm -hmm. the, the renegades. Um, so all sorts of different things you can do. More, more information about how to build projects and what you can do with projects. Um, more stuff about icons and how to how to create new icons. Um, icons are so fun, and I'm, I'm always like sad that they never get a lot enough conversation, in my opinion. <laughs> like everyone gets so focused on the variations that they're like, oh yeah, icons. Uh, I guess those are a thing, and I'm like, those live so much fun <laughs> like building these <laughs> things that conspiracies can do. Exactly. Um, but uh, so just uh, a lot of just very a way of making a, a chronicle that's very, very different from a Renegades Chronicle. Well, still existing in the same world, still dealing with the web of pain. Um, even if your particular conspiracy is sort of benign or at least well-meaning, um, there are a lot of bad ones out there and you, they're your competition. And you might have to be dealing with them um, instead of whatever your supposed mission statement tells you is the main goal of your, of your conspiracy. So those are coming along. Um, the uh uh yeah so <laughs> it's cool and, and uh are you working on anything else besides uh deviant stuff um it looks like i'm going to be doing some stretch goals for hunter the vigil um still getting some of the details about that so i don't have a lot to offer yet but uh okay. uh my wife ran a hunter game in first edition for about three years for us uh so oh, nice. it's it's been a i was like wow that's I, that was a fun game i I enjoyed, uh, enjoyed going back to that. And they've done so many fun things with the second edition. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to playing with, around in that, uh, in that design space. Excellent. That, that's like a lot of fun because yeah. I've always been a fan of, of Hunter. And uh, now maybe you have, you have a chance to, to, to start tighten those connections a little bit more if you want to. Try to get those games between Deviant and, and Hunter a little closer together. Yeah, after sense. we have our meeting, we can figure out if that's going to work or not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it goes. It may not, and that's totally cool, too. But it, it's 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 clearly your headspace. You're in that same space, so it makes sense that you'd be a, a logical person kind of picking up some Hunter stretch goals. So that's cool. That's mm -hmm. cool. exciting. Exactly, yeah. Like, it is a really similar space, so. Awesome. Well, um... Uh, thank you for talking to us about uh, uh, Deviant. It's, it sounds like it's done. And every time we talk, I, I learn something new and something new I'm excited about with the game. So it's, it's, I'm glad we had a chance to kind of talk this over again. If people wanted to chat with you about Deviant, where would they find you online? Uh, the discords, um, both the main Onyx Path, official, like the official one, as well as the fan, fan discord. I'm on a lot, um, doing everything from just, you know, answering the weirder questions to, uh, you know, someone's like, hey, I don't have a power that does this. I'm like, oh, you're right. Hmm. That, that gives me an idea. Here, have a, have a like rough draft version of this, of the power that you're asking about. Eric will answer your questions. Like I, we, we had a fan email us a question a while back and Eric responded with like a two page email. Wow. Um, it is not uncommon to sit in the discord for five or 10 minutes seeing Eric Zawadzki is typing at the bottom. <laughs> um, so just like understand that if you ask Eric a question, you'll probably get an answer, and you'll probably get more of an answer than you realized you were going to. <laughs> you never have to ask that question ever again. No, and I always, I always with with games, I recognize that I'm creating something for other people to use the way they want to use it. I'm not right. going to, you know, word of God stuff that is really just up to you at the table. If it's a, if it's up to you at the table, I'll, I'll let you know. Um, and, uh, you know, if I come up with something new on the fly for fun, I'm doing it because it's, it's fun for me. And if you use it great, if you don't, it's not a big deal. It's like, I just, it's fun for me. Um, I just think about this game a lot. Um, and, uh, I guess that's why they let me develop it. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, it is in fact, yeah. one of the reasons why we do that. Yeah. So cool. Um, so, uh, they'll find you on discord then that that's the place. Yep. I, I also am on Twitter on uh, at uh, Four Moons Press uh, for F-O-U-R. Um, but my really, if you're talking Deviant, best place to, to chat is either that, either on the discords or um, I'm, I also watch the forum on uh, the, the official forum as well. Awesome. And how about you, Dixie? Yeah, you can find me on the discord at Dixie Cyanide. As always, the Onyx Pathcast channel is a good place to 
hang out, talk to uh, Eddie and myself, and Dick Cyanide on all social media, so Instagram, Twitter, etc. And you can find me at uh, Pugsteady.com. You can find me on Twitter at Pugsteady. Uh, you can find me in the same uh, official Discord, uh, usually in the Omics Pathcast channel. Um, feel free to come and hang out. Like we said a few times, yeah. um, people have lately been taken to a kind of posting in the Discord as they listen to the episodes on Fridays, which is a really good time to kind of just come and hang out and talk about the latest episode and have wild digressions about Star Wars bots or what have you. Uh, it, it's a fun place to hang out. Yeah, totally. Uh, you can find all of us around at theomicspath.com. You can also find us on DriveThruRPG. Uh, so um, feel free to go. And right now, actually, on DriveThruRPG, uh, at the time of recording, uh, Deviant is the number one bestseller on DriveThruRPG. So very just, happy about that. It just that. crossed gold this morning. <gasps> yeah, Yay! yeah. It's, I know dating our episode is always bad, right? Oh, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I, I have given up on that fight. I just accept that this is the thing that's going to occur. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, check out the the now gold award winning uh, Deviant the Renegades, uh, um, and also check out the Apocalyptic Record Kickstarter. It's going on now. Um, hopefully, it's doing well. But it'll do even better if you go and drop a few hundred dollars on it. We really appreciate it. And as always, many worlds, one path caster. <laughs>